Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. Today we have our friend Rachel Savula and she is with us from Wisconsin. Uh, Rachel, why don't you start by introducing yourself? Sure. Hello, everybody. I am Rachel Savula and I hail from New Richmond, Wisconsin. Uh, New Richmond, Wisconsin is in the northwest section of the state, pretty close to the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Uh, I have been there. I'm starting my 22nd year in the classroom in New Richmond, uh, and I, I landed there right out of college, which was a pretty incredible opportunity for me. And um, New Richmond in and of itself is a community about 8,700 people, and we um, have three elementary schools, a middle school, and a high school with a total enrollment district-wide of about 3,400 kids um, and about a thousand of those in the high school. <clears throat> well, to give everybody perspective, where I teach, the population is 500. So that is crazy. <laughs> um, so Rachel's going to share this project that I've got to see kind of unfold since, I mean, kind of the beginning, and it's been really cool to sit back and watch, um, and that's their SOAR Center. So do you want to get started by kind of explaining what the SOAR Center is? Sure. So uh, back in 2010, we uh, built a new high school, and as part of the new high school, we were able to as a CTE department, design our own facilities. And anytime a teacher has the opportunity to do that, it's pretty incredible. But you make your, your magic list and you keep adding to the list and adding to the list. And then your administration comes in and says, okay, what are you gonna cut? And in New Richmond, we are blessed with fantastic support of career and technical education. And instead of being asked, what are you going to cut? They were like, what else do you need? Ooh, ah, we were like, what? And so is there anything else? And at that point in time, it was so much bigger and different than what I was doing in the old school that there wasn't anything to add to the list. But then the students arrived and enrollment kept growing and growing each year. In my large animal science class, enrollment went from 20 to 40 to 90 to 120 to 150. And so I had all these sections of great kids that wanted to learn more about where their food comes from directly. And so, um, you know, once you, oh, I should tell you that I have an animal learning center in the school. Um, I have a 10 foot by 10 foot pen and I've successfully raised five steers in there from four days old to 900 pounds at graduation day. So they would graduate and go back to the farmer's house and my students would never finish out the process. They never knew what happened next. And that was pretty annoying to me. Um, in addition, once you have all these sections of large animal kids, all of a sudden you castrate your calf, your bull calf. Well, you can't repeat that in second and third hour. Once the testicles are removed, you cannot glue them back on to do it again. And so my kids were actually missing out on opportunities and that bothered me greatly as well. 
So fast forwarding to 2014, I had a wonderful young man named Ellis Frank as a senior student, and he was actually my community partner for many of those steers that we had raised within the classroom. And so I said, Ellis, it's senior year. We need a capstone project. What are we going to do to leave a legacy on your Richmond High School? I said, you know, it'd be kind of swell to build a barn right outside this back door, and we could have three runs in it and each class could raise their own animals and that's about all I needed to say before Ellis took it and ran with it. So Ellis put some great things in place. Uh, we had city approval, school board approval, and right as we were able to turn our first shovel full of dirt to build our barn, the city of New Richmond swooped in and said, do you still want to build a barn right here if we'll give you 20 acres of land where you can do whatever you want? Whoa, baby, I was not born yesterday. And so I said, let's talk about this a little bit more. So you know how in the movies when they have black cars with blackened out windows and men in business suits? Yeah, so the superintendent and um, our chief financial man uh, went on a little road trip over by the airport. And just like in the movies, these three cars pulled out in front of us like they knew it was us and led us down this big long driveway back into this wonderful little uh, ranch style house with a little red shed and we stood in the backyard eight men in business suits and little Rachel Salvola and they looked around the circle and they said well what do you think can you make something of this 20 acres a house that can double as a communication central, um, a, a little red barn, like, yeah, of course I can. Um, it takes 12 minutes to get there from school though. And so we have 52 minute class periods. So I was busy calculating, ooh, we're gonna be well prepped before we head to the farm. But I'm also my very own Miss Frizzle. So I do have a bus that we drive back and forth. And, and so it's doable. Um, but we took an entire year to kind of put in place our dreams. I had this wonderful young lady named Sophia Thomas and this wonderful young man, Max Emerson, who then Ellis graduated, his plans were, were moving forward and now it's Sophia and Max's turn to leave a legacy. So we took the superintendent on a bunch of field trips and we went to the U of M lab farm, we went to the UW River Falls lab farm and we had this little green notebook. And in the little green notebook, we just dreamed. We dreamed of what this cool thing could really become. And you know, our focus switched very quickly to being able to provide locally grown uh, food for school lunch and we want to be able to fulfill that mission and so uh, Sophie and Max graduated and the following fall, which was October of 2016, we brought our first four bull calves onto the property. There's a local farmer named Lance Com who really believes in our project and in what we're doing, as do all of our local farmers, but Lance and Lowell Volkert were the first farmers to donate those first four animals. And from there, it has grown. Presently, today I have 21 uh, animals, 21 steers on site in four different age groups. 
so that we can butcher twice a year, typically in September, October, and March and April. And to date, we have put over 7,500 pounds of ground beef and roasts into school lunch, as well as sold thousands of chicken and duck eggs to the community. We have those on site as well. Um, and uh, it, it's just been an incredible community collaboration. We do also, they would be mad if I didn't mention, the five goats that we have as entertainment on the farm. They kiss principals when students raise money for a worthy cause. Uh, they have a very big job and they're just funny. So we, we like them on the farm. So that's a little bit of how uh, it came to be based on growing enrollment and student opportunities. I always tell my students, I want you chosen first in a lineup of people eligible for a job. And truth be told, um, that's happened. I have a young lady who as a freshman was hired as a farm manager at the UW River Falls Lab Farm because she worked for me in an opportunity that no other schools in Wisconsin are doing in the way that I'm doing it. So it's pretty fun. I just think it's so awesome. I haven't really heard you talk. You know, I, I have you as a friend on Facebook and I follow kind of your journey that way, but um, hearing you talk about it and how it's all come to be is is pretty amazing. Um, I guess one question that I have is what is, you know, you talk about your SOAR Center. What does SOAR stand for? So SOAR stands for Student Opportunities with Agricultural Resources. And when I named it that, um, it I knew that it had to be a community effort. If this was going to be a real thing that we were going to actually accomplish, I needed all hands on deck. I needed local businesses to help sponsor, support, um, and provide us with tools and equipment. I typically am a one-woman show. Um, in the fall, I have a co-teacher who comes in um, and she teaches three courses for me, but doesn't have any FFA advisor uh, duties or anything outside of teaching those three classes. Um, and she actually grew up on a local farm and she and her family have donated a calf to our program. So Willie is slated to be butchered this coming April. Um, he is part of my, my crazy eight or my famous rodent group because of course choosing names for these animals, they all have them. They are our pets, but then we eat them and that is life and students need to know and accept that that's where their food comes from. Um, so I have her helping me in the fall, uh, but also in the general scheme of things, uh, volunteers are essential to make this happen. And so I have staff members and students, of course, um, students, families, it, it's a community collaboration. So student opportunities with agricultural resources is where I went with the name of, um, you know, and, and truly soar to me means to sorted new heights, great heights, things that have never been done before. I don't want to show up at work bored doing the same thing every day. That's why I choose to teach agriculture and not to, to teach math where going to the file cabinet week one, day two, you know, that, that's not me. And so changing gears every five minutes, sometimes 30 seconds, you know, it, it's why we do what we do because we like that sort of thing in our life. So yeah, that's where the name comes from and what it stands for. 
So you've briefly mentioned some things that happen at the farm, but can you talk about some activities? And, and since this is so farm to fork, what are activities that kids get to do within the classroom? And then you, you, you obviously take these animals full circle. So, um, you know, what are activities that are happening once those animals are being butchered? Um, sure. All those things that support the SOAR Center. Sure. So um, students in my program will take like an intro level class. I call mine plants, animals, pizza, and more. And they decide, oh, animals are my pathway. So I'm going to pursue small animal science and then large animal science and then vet science. And then lo and behold, you get to junior senior year where an advanced animal science course is an application only course that I have as kind of the, your capstone to high school. So in that class, they are actively running the farm. This last year, I had nine students who um, applied and were chosen. Um, of course, I've gotten to know those kids through all those other courses. So I know that I can trust them because I don't go to the farm with them during the day. Um, and so I need to know that things are really happening in that regard. And so um, basically there's a team that goes out during first and second hour and they handle all of the morning chores and things that they might encounter as you know operating a, a farm daily you just never know what you're going to find when you get there there could be a possum in the live trap you know uh, you got to handle it and then in the afternoon during sixth and seventh hour another team goes out and so uh, we have weekly team meetings during our tiger time to communicate there's a lot of notes each of those groups of kids check in with me before they head out so if there's any communication or instructions that are needed and and that's how we do the day-to-day -day operations and then at night i will take a trip out to the farm i will grade everybody in what what it looks like what has happened um, sometimes there are special people like Leo the feed man might be stopping out and so I'll meet with those people at the end of the school day and sometimes of course the kids are always invited to do that with me so they'll stay or return to the farm um, to have those opportunities as well. This is so much about careers and talking and visiting with the people who are doing these jobs on the front line. Um, this also has a six and a half acre field that we are farming at the same time. So there's a lot of agronomy and uh, equipment machinery that we need to borrow um, or have people come and help us perform those planting, disking, you know, harvesting, whatever it is we're doing. And then in turn, uh, we sell our crop back to the feed company so that they can turn our locally grown stuff into our feed for the animals. So things do certainly come full circle from our day old calves uh, being butchered. So those advanced animal science kids, they coordinate all of that stuff with the local slaughterhouse and uh, we operate using Eggerts out of Clear Lake, Wisconsin. And then uh, after two weeks of hang time, we uh, take them to Ross's locker in Glenwood City. And all of those people on both of those teams do such a fantastic job. My students load them onto the trailer. They have to find the trailer. This year we're using 
Rose and her family, Rose Gillis is my FFA president and her family's brand new trailer have trucked um, our animals. And we go to the slaughterhouse with them. We open the trailer door, we watch them walk in and we watch the entire process. We collect their little ear tags for shadow boxes because I'm a scrapbooker and my, my boys, all my animals are very important to me. So the mission actually it was a covid mission but it hasn't happened yet but i i'm at, i have time in fact i'm at a scrapbooking retreat right now so that's on the agenda um is to put a baby picture and a day of slaughter picture along with their ear tag in a shadow box um, and we're going to hang them up because these boys are part of our life and part of our lunch if i'm honest with you um, so after we get them back from ross's then we do a steak sale in the community, we give roasts and burger to school lunch. I just said give, which is a lie. We operate as a business, they buy it from us. Um, so it's been kind of fun to watch our business income from school lunch go from 8,000 in the first year to 11,000. Uh, this year we're over $20,000 in income from the, the things that people have bought just in school lunch. And then um, this week's steak sale netted us $9,000 in two nights. We sell all the prime cuts. Uh, Jim Ross at the butcher shop made me my own meat label, which my dad is totally jealous of. Uh, but it says, actually, this meat was raised by Rachel Salvola's agri-science students and, and how cool that is to be able to put that out into the community. And now the, the kind words have been rolling in from the little lady who um, is a retired teacher and she bought liver at the sale and it reminds her of eating at as a kid with her brothers and sisters and her parents and you know what fun memories that was meat we raised it was cool <laughs> so it's always awesome to see it all come full circle so the way that you talk about the source center i think for a lot of ag teachers is kind of like the dream you know that everyone wishes they had or wants to have or you know whatever that looks like but um, what advice would you have for someone who maybe wants to start this, especially since you're, like you said, a single teacher program, basically doing this all by yourself and it's a lot of work. So, you know, how do you set it up? How do you find those volunteers? What does it kind of look like? Okay. So first of all, I would say the most important thing is to have a vision. You have to know what you want to get out of a program like this. And for me, yes, it is meet for school lunch and for the students that work with me, but it's also all of the agricultural advocacy and awareness that comes along with it. So, um, I kind of avoided the question Nikki asked me about activities, uh, but let me circle back around to that in this segment because I think um, certainly this is meant to be a 4K through 12th grade educational center, but then also all of the community engagement that is there. Um, I'm going to be honest, and during uh, COVID closure, I thought as of March 17th, I would be farming for four to six hours a day every day by myself. Well, I put out a little uh, link to the community and people have stepped up. Hey, how can we help? And truth be told, it was likely at the beginning a little bit of an excuse to leave your house because farmers are essential and these animals need care. And yes, it is all part of the school and, and we socially distanced and we had no more than 10 people and we did all the right things. 
Uh, but what we found was that families were stepping up because they were genuinely intrigued with where their food came from. So I have a wonderful middle school literature teacher who is um, in these last few years truly a partner in this project. And so she always helps with chores, even on the coldest days when school's closed, I pick her up in my truck and we tootle off to the farm. Um, and so she has been a huge asset. Her name is Tara Van Epren, and again, she's a middle school literature teacher. Uh, and likely in a lineup, not maybe the first person I would have sought, you know, out as a volunteer. She's fantastic. And it truly shows you that you can't make excuses for people. You can't prejudge who might want to help you in your egg program, which if you've ever seen my ideas for delegation spiel, I talk about making excuses for people that you never even asked. And Tara is wonderful. In fact, while I'm here at the scrapbooking retreat, she's home at the farm. So uh, with a bunch of different volunteers. So I think the, the biggest thing is those educational aspects. So the 4Ks come out to the farm. We set up stations and the students and the teachers move around. Um, it would be akin to potentially your Food for America program. We just do different things at different levels with the goal being that each grade level would make it out to the farm over the course of each school year so that maybe first grade is learning about apples on the farm and in my future orchard, they're able to pick an apple. Um, you know, all of those things, honeybees. So working with the district curriculum so that we fit something in that fits with their science components or some special project that they have going on in each grade level. Another thing is just like even within high school, calculating the rations that our animals need. A lot of math, partnering with a math teacher to do that. So there's a lot of different intracurricular and uh, cross-categorical lessons that can be done at the farm for those sorts of activities. Um, and I like to say when people tour my farm right now, it's the humble beginnings because we certainly have aspirations to build more technologically sound barns and a big um, arena building with our outdoor classroom, indoor classroom, a kitchen. I want to make that a commercial kitchen so that we can take the vegetables from our garden, process them into salsa, and sell that salsa um, to our community. Because whenever Mrs. Sovala says, I have this for sale, and it was raised or grown with love, that will get your people out to buy whatever it is you're selling. So um, sometimes that even works for compost and piles of manure for the garden, grown with love, raised with love. Um, so definitely use that in your program because it works. Um, when we think about the Source Center as well as activities um, in COVID, in the end, it's those volunteers that truly stepped up. I don't know if you remember hearing about how you could rent a llama for $100 from a sanctuary in California for a Zoom bomb um, over COVID, but I saw the article that CNN had put out and I thought, I don't need a llama, I do need money, but what if I just offered virtual field trips from the farm? So we started with one of my sixth grade um, 
students who had been volunteering with this family. We started with one of his classes. And from there, I did 55 Zoom calls and some of them had 80 families on them. And I said during my Zoom call, hey, you don't have to wait until you're in high school to be part of the SOAR Center. Have your parents send me a message. You can come out for a live tour. We can do special projects. If you wanna help with chores, you know, we can do all of those things. And suddenly I had 155 people from over 50 different families. So I never, chore by myself. And it's awesome. And what the parents love about it is I'm a teacher and they really aren't. <laughs> and so even like planting the garden, we had some first and second graders out to do that. And we laid the measuring tape out and I said, these seeds need to be two inches apart. And so we turned it into a math lesson and kids loved it, parents loved it, and darn it, the radishes got planted. It was a beautiful thing. And so um, the volunteer base is absolutely essential for a gigantic project like this. And you also have to have a good working relationship with your local businesses. You know, when I came into this program, 22 years ago, the man taking over for me took me around town and introduced me to all of the businesses. And I think single-handedly those relationships and those partnerships that I developed way back then, sure, business owners change hands. But once you're ingrained into those businesses and they know who you are, your work ethic, uh, the kind of students that you have in your program, your willingness to help, it's like that in all communities, my friends. You just have to get out there and seek out those people who you know want to help you but don't know how until you ask and I think the source center for me is uh, the total example again if you've ever heard me do a workshop I always say you need to know what you want and what you need and you need a five-year plan and you need those baby goals that are going to just be checked off one by one that lead to something big something grand and for me that whole thing is the SOAR Center and you know I like to think that I'm a role model for kids and in this case even parents as I set those goals and we work diligently to, to cross those off. This summer uh, through social media, not even through the school district stuff, I met a, a man from Bulgaria who came to America to work on dairy farms. And he wanted to get more uh, milk into summer school lunch programs. And of course, we live in Wisconsin. I did a giant cheese curd campaign. Um, and he and his son, who is now going into kindergarten in our school district, uh, have come out to help at the school farm. In fact, they're there for me tonight since I'm scrapbooking. Uh, but he works for uh, the Jeffo Nutrition Company out of Canada. And so after he heard my story, you always have to be telling your story, friends. After he came out to a tour, heard my story. He sent me an email the next day that said, I'm going to approach my business to purchase two bull calves for you from a neighboring farm. 
which is also in a different school district, um, the Amory School District, the Minglewood Farm. I'm going to have them purchase two of those for you, and we're going to bring them to the SOAR Center. So never in my wildest dreams did I think that my little tiny school farm would go international, but I'm here to tell you that Louie and Clyde were purchased with Canadian money, and that makes the SOAR Center international. And oh my gosh, like this was just a, a little goal, a little dream to make some food for school lunch. And now it's, it's gone above and beyond. So it's, it's just so fun. So fun. I think, I think listening to the whole story is super powerful. Um, because like Brianna said, some of this seems out of reach for teachers. Um, but I do want to ask, you know, COVID has thrown some wrenches and some plans, but what opportunities or what new things has COVID brought the SOAR Center that you wouldn't have maybe anticipated? Um, and, and maybe is that something you're going to continue to do or has it made you rethink how you guys operate? I think that it's honestly as as bad as it has been bad, I use in quotation marks for for people and situations and circumstances. Um, I would never negate that. Um, it's brought us some really, really powerful, positive things. Uh, people quickly realized that uh, your food is best coming from a local source. So two fabulous ladies started a Western Wisconsin uh, Farms Facebook page, and it is get, getting people connected locally um, with their food. And so when I was able to post on there that, you know, we had beef available from, uh, we just butchered five steers right before COVID hit. And so I posted on there, hey, you know, this is student raised with love. And we had people from the the Eastern um, Twin Cities suburbs coming over to buy steak. Um, as I looked through the checks and the, the addresses of people, I'm like, whoa, this is far outreaching our local community. And, and there were people in our own community who didn't get any beef because there was one lady at the sale we had to do at curbside and she was lined up an hour before it started so she could get her tenderloins. And the, the line was around the school parking lot out to the stoplight, you know, 15 to 20 cars deep because people were excited to buy this locally grown steak. Um, you know, so I think the connections from farmer to direct consumer have been fantastic. Certainly people wanting to learn more about what where their food comes from. Oh goodness, chickens. Let me talk about chickens for a second. So school closes, my eggs are in the incubator. I have to call my friends, Becky and Greg, and say, can you come get this, these incubators and take them to your house? Because I don't know what this is going to look like. I also had 24 classroom animals to get rid of three steers that were at school that needed to move to the farm and little jackets. It was a crazy, crazy weekend um, and Friday the 13th to boot. Um, but it was super interesting 
uh, the chickens. Everybody wants backyard chickens. And so I uh, tested my two roosters, Oreo and Fancy Ferdinand, in their fathering capabilities, collected a bunch of eggs, incubated um, three rounds of chickens, and sold all those chicks. Plus, people are impatient, so they wanted laying hens. And so I'm like, well, I have my stash. Uh, by the way, if you incubate, mypetchicken.com sounds totally totally corny to an egg teacher, but let me tell you that their teacher egg special is amazing um, and will get you so many cool things. So I had hatched my round to increase my genetics and, and my laying hens, but I had older hens that I was willing to get rid of, so I sold those um, to even other egg teachers who were too impatient to wait. Hi, Sean Vanderwall. Um, and it was really fun to watch that all. And of course, that brought more people to the farm to see what we're doing when they came to pick their baby chicks up. And so that was really a successful fun thing. And I'm sure that I could have incubated two more rounds of eggs and, and still sold all of those. Um, you know, and the other thing I think um, COVID brought out is just people helping people and that spirit of community. And that really has benefited us as well. If I am listening to this, you know, podcast and I'm a, a new teacher, maybe um, a teacher who doesn't really know how to start and I might not have 20 acres to work with, do you have any ideas of how this could be modified for other use? Like if I can't do it on a large scale, how I'm able to do it? So I think um, starting how I started it with just one little pen in an animal learning center or reaching out to your FFA friends and alumni, um, putting the word out in the community. You know, there's not a district newsletter that leaves New Richmond that doesn't have source center happenings, agri-science happenings, and what's going on in the FFA. Um, truth be told, most of the district newsletter is full of agricultural things because that's free advertising for me. And so put out a little list of the things that you want and need. Again, hey, we're looking to raise one steer to, you know, start small. You don't need to start with 21 of them. And I didn't either. I went from one to three to four. And then now my groups are at eight um, a piece uh, for my big butcher in March and April because we, in our research we found um, courtesy of a school out in Colorado that based on their numbers and my numbers if I raise 16 in a school year we can give the school all of the beef they need. And so you just have to do the math and talk to people. Talk to people and let them know what you want to do and it can happen. Um, and truth be told, this can start as a student's SAE project that then grows into something that all students can benefit from. And so I think you've gotta be creative and please, please reach out to me if you have an idea that you want to spin off into something like this. I am an idea person and I get creative. And so I can help you think about how do we think through some of these things? You know, and truth be told that 22 years of teaching, I've outlived many principals and superintendents. And so um, even the supervisor of school nutrition, 
I just had to worry about that a couple of years ago. Oh, shoot, what if the new person doesn't believe in buying local? Well, if you have all of these ideas and things in place, and moreover, you're willing to work really hard to make all of these things happen with student help and guidance all along the way, these people are gonna believe in what it is you wanna do and they're going to help you. They have resources that you haven't even considered and they didn't know you needed because you never asked for help. And so you need to rally your people. And if it's, you know, some of you I've read on the AGA discussion lab are like petitioning to get one rabbit in your classroom because you have no pets. Oh my goodness, A, my heart goes out to you, but B, you know, let's do this together. It's best for your kids to have these hands-on opportunities. And that's, I think, at the root of everything I do. Um, I always want student opportunity at the forefront, and this is just my next vehicle to do it. So that's what I would say. Start small, set your goals, and check those babies off until what you have is that vision and that dream fulfilled. Awesome. And before we wrap up, how does the school notify students that uh, they're, they're eating the food produced by, by your source center? Sure. So Bobby Guyette is my supervisor of school nutrition, and she is wonderful. Uh, we work hand in hand, and we have a logo for the SOAR Center. So on her menus, um, she will post the SOAR logo. Uh, during school lunch through the summer, she has little stickers she places on uh, the food that says this lettuce was grown at the SOAR garden, or um, you know this hamburger is SOAR Center beef. And in fact, just this morning, I answered an email from a mom that was like, my kids want 42 of those cheeseburgers every time they come and what's in that salad because we need to start growing that. The secret is kale and she didn't have any idea. So um, it was kind of fun to, to see how that works. But Bobby posts it on the menu and on a roast day when they're serving our roast over mashed potatoes with gravy, you will see kids abandon their school lunch and get in the lunch line because there's just something about our roasts. And again, that element of grown with love that students are lining up in the lunch line to, to partake in. And it's kind of cute because the lunch ladies will say, this stuff cooks up so much better than some of the other stuff we have. And truth be told, Bobby does a great job of sourcing locally. So when our beef is not available, there are two other local farmers that she gets meat from so that our students still get things made from scratch and from local sources. So she does a great job. That's amazing. Well, uh, we really appreciate you uh, joining us today. And uh, to those listening, make sure you like Here by the Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram and go to the show notes. Rachel has provided some really great resources. If you're interested in checking out what the Source Center looks like or even getting started small, like she said, um, check those things out. 
Yep. And you can also friend me on Facebook. I haven't made the time to do my SOAR Center Facebook page yet, um, even though it's been like four years. I'm sorry. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Um, and you can follow what's happening at the SOAR Center through my personal page as well. So I welcome your questions. I welcome answering, uh, you know, helping you develop things and, and providing ideas for you as well to get something going in your local program. Well, thanks again, Rachel, for being here with us. Of course. Thanks, ladies.